You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circa Sports to bring this Saturday's UFC Vegas 12 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 12 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight fight featuring Miles Johns, who is 10 and 1, and Kevin Natividad, who is 9 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes before we get rolling here, as always. First off, head over to MMAOddsBreaker.com and check out the opening betting odds article for FC Fight Night. Hall versus Silva, our opening betting odds that I will be referring to come from Adam Martin's article. They are market-wide opening betting prices. So those are the lines that we're quoting for opening odds. And then the updated odds will be via Circa in Las Vegas, CircaSports.com. Download the app to check out all the updated lines. Um, and those will be the Vegas odds that I will be quoting as far as the updated and current odds. Also, on the other end of things, uh, as most of you guys probably have heard, uh, Circa Las Vegas, the resort downtown just opened officially. So those of you guys that want to check out uh, and make a little quick trip to Vegas and check out the new Circa Sports Las Vegas, it's well worth it. The world's largest sports books. Obviously, you guys can tell I'm proud to be a part of that group. We're doing a lot of cool things right now. So if you guys are down or planning on a vacation, make sure you head over to Circa Las Vegas. It's just a phenomenal place to check out. So I got to give those guys a plug as always over there as well. Now, getting right into the fights, the opening betting odds. John's opened minus 205 and Natividad opened at plus 175. And right now looking over at Circa Sports, currently we have John's at minus 155 to come back on Natividad at plus 135. This is a great fight. I mean, another high caliber bantamweight scrap, of course. I think Miles Johns is probably being undervalued a little bit. He's coming off that loss in his last fight to Batista, which, by the way, if you listen to the podcast, Brian and I told you that that was a possibility. Batista. This is a stud. We actually had a bet on him as well, so not shocked by that. But that being said, I think Miles Johns, his stock dropped a little bit because of that fight, a little bit too much. The guy is a stud. I mean, he's definitely a talented bantamweight in all, all aspects of the game, probably underrated in this spot here. Got to give respect on the other side of it to Natividad, though. I mean, the guy is definitely a very capable fighter. I understand why people came in and bet the dog price, and now it's getting a little bit tighter and a little bit closer to a pick em type of fight as we get closer to fight time. This should be fireworks on the feet. It's going to be relentless. Natividad has speed. He has power. You have to respect that. And again, Batista end up knocking Johns out. I think that's going to make Johns maybe a little bit hesitant at times, and a lot of people are going to be wary about that. But I still think that uh, Miles Johns is the more capable fighter, like I said, as a whole. I think he can hang with Natividad on the feet. He can do some damage in his own right, and I think he is the more diverse fighter with a takedown ability, with the wrestling aspect of things as well, and he's just the more complete fighter. So I am going to go against the grain here. I know, again, Natividad is a popular underdog play for most people. I think as the line drops a little bit, it's probably a favorite or pass situation, though, and I think Miles Johns is being a little bit underrated here. So my pick is Johns. I just simply think he's a little bit better, and he should be ahead of the game right now as far as overall comparable um, quality mixed martial arts skill at this point in their career, if that makes sense. So my pick is Miles Johns. 
And I'm going to go Jond as well. In terms of pure all-around skill, Jond is definitely the better fighter here. Um, on the feet, they're pretty evenly matched, although I think Jond might slightly be the better striker. And then Jond's is much better everywhere else too, especially uh, with the wrestling and takedowns and everything. Um, what's going to be interesting is how Jond responds. I mean... Uh, that for fight against Batista, he didn't show up very well, uh, even before the loss. Um, you know, Batista was clearly the better striker and he didn't really mix it up and go for takedowns enough. And then he ended up uh, getting knocked out with a, a flying knee and then some ground and pound. So, um, that is a concern to see how he responds to that. Um, will he still be aggressive? Will he still have confidence in his stand up? Be a little gun shy? Um, that's always something you have to ask after somebody, uh, gets beat for the first time. Uh, in a, a professional fight, uh, especially with somebody that has the, the confidence that John's typically does. But as long as he shows up uh, and it fights how he's capable, he should win this fight. Um, I mean, even if it's just a stand-up fight and he does not go for takedowns, I think he could still potentially win a stand-up fight with Natividad. And that's Natividad's strength. Um, and uh, if everything else up, I think that'll make it a lot easier for him. So I'm going to go with John's. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Dustin Jacoby, who is 12 and 5, taking on Justin Ledet, who is 9 and 3. Now, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Jacoby opened minus 170, the comeback on Ledet at plus 145. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we currently have Jacoby minus 375, the comeback plus 310. So, Jacoby. The hype around him at an all-time high right now, deservingly so. What he did in the Glory Kickboxing Organization is amazing, really. I mean, I didn't expect that kind of level of success from him. I mean, after he had his first set in the U.S., he kind of switched his focus over to kickboxing, and that's not an easy thing to do, especially at that level. Glory Kickboxing is the premier organization in all of the world, really, at this point. Uh, and he went in there, and he succeeded. I mean, I think he did very well. I mean, above and beyond all expectations, I think. And just a stutter that trained his craft to the point where, I mean, like I said, he had all sorts of level success against the highest caliber fighter striking guys in the world. So that's what you're getting with Jacoby here. Of course, he is a well-rounded mixed martial artist. He has a wrestling background, trains at a good camp in Colorado. There's a lot to like about his game. So I'm glad he's coming back and getting his second shot in the UFC because this guy is a very capable fighter. He's facing a very solid fighter in the other side of him, though, in Ledette. I think Ledette's been kind of under the radar uh, throughout his UFC career, really, because he's had his ups and downs. But you can see some uh, talent in Ledette as well with his boxing ability. He does have a little bit of wrestling. He's got a little bit of underrated submission game. So he has some hands that you have to be careful about. And if Jacoby is just sleeping on his striking on the other end and sleeping on Ledette's boxing, he could find himself in some trouble real fast here. But overall, this striker versus striker matchup, I think Jacoby is going to be able to keep this upright. And, and so he should be able to do more damage along the way and have more success on the feet. And that's what it boils down to. So I think it's hard not to pick Jacoby here. But at, as the line progresses here and we're getting closer to minus 400, you got to stay away from it. The value's totally gone if you were able to get kobe minus 170 of course there was value there minus 200 250 300 whatever but as we get closer to 400 stay away from it at this point so my pick is jacoby i think he gets it done and again welcome addition honestly to the light heavyweight division now for the ufc yeah i like jacoby here um you know he was a decent fighter his first stint in the ufc but he did so much good um when he transitioned into glory kicks, I did not realize uh, what he was going to uh, do there. 
And I, I did not have really high expectations for him. And then he exceeded everything. Like, and he was in there against some of the better kickboxers on the planet and was holding his own. Um, and he actually picked up some pretty quality wins along the way. Now, granted, you know, he lost plenty as well at, during that time, but, um, I mean, he went in there and put on a show and, and really improved his striking skills a lot. Like he is a well-rounded, he is a very technical, solid striker. Now he's dangerous on the feet. He's got power. Um, he's packed on some muscle. Um, I think at light heavyweight, he's going to fit right in. Um, and, uh, you know, having a, the six, four frame, I think it's going to be great for him to move up the weight class. Uh, I mean, he's been fighting up there anyway, but just when he was fighting at middleweight back before. Um, and with Justin Ledette, it's kind of interesting. You know, he was at heavyweight and had success in the UFC, actually started his UFC career out 3-0. and um, And then he dropped down to light heavyweight, and he has just been terrible. <laughs> um, lost to, to Rakich, then got finished quickly by Johnny Walker, and then lost again to Kamer. Um, like... I just, I'm not sure what went wrong, but Ledette just does not, uh, have a lot of power. So it didn't translate dropping down. Um, and then I think some of his speed that he had at light heavy, at heavy clearly did not help him here because people are probably faster than him. I mean, honestly, the only thing that he has going for him, uh, heading into this fight is that uh, Jacoby gassed a little bit in his contender series fight to earn this opportunity. So perhaps Jacoby, you know, first fight back in the UFC, he gets a little overexcited and runs out of steam after the first round or two. And maybe Ledette could get a late finish, but I just don't really think Ledette has much to threaten here. I mean, he does have a boxing background, but, um, I think Jacoby, the, all the work he's put in, in glory kickboxing, has kind of exceeded what Ledette has with his background. So I think on the feet, Jacoby's kickboxing is just going to trump um, Ledette's boxing. And then uh, neither fighter is particularly great on the ground. So I think it's probably stay standing the whole time. And Jacoby just gets the better of Ledette being more aggressive, more powerful, more dangerous. Um, and Ledette just kind of lets Jacoby do his thing and at least loses a decision, if not gets knocked out along the way. So Jacoby's my pick. Now dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Jason Witt, who is 17 and 6, taking on Cole Williams, who is 11 and 2. Now, Nick, with this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Williams up in minus 145, Witt plus 125. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is actually Witt as a betting favorite right now, minus 150. Williams at plus 130, so line flipped more actually coming in which way early on now we're getting some action back on Williams though. a lot of opinion actually favoring Williams and a lot of dog betters out there are kind of drooling just trying to get their hands on that plus money on Williams because this is a very close competitive type of pick up type fight because I think both have their own positive attributes going for them in this spot I think Williams is the better overall striker I think he has more effective um, hands in this spot I think he's a little bit more comfortable on the feet I think he's a little bit more durable although he is hittable at times and you got to respect Witt's power on the other end what is Witt is the more complete fighter overall. I think in this particular matchup, he's going to want to get this fight to the ground and utilize his grappling skill because I do think he is the better grappler for the most part on the ground. If Williams gets on top, he's capable of doing some uh, decent things, especially some damage ground and pound-wise. But I think Witt used to damage in that regard as well, but he's got the better submission skill to go along with it. So I think this is a very 
winnable fight for either guy here. So it's a, a pick em type of fight. And I think where you're getting the dog money either way is where you want to bet it's, as far as the betting window goes. But as far as a pure pick, I will side with because I think he is the more complete fighter as a whole. But again, right now where it stands at the betting window, it's a dog or pet situation. So at plus 130, I think you have to kind of lean towards Williams. But as a pure pick, I will go Wits way. Yeah, this one could go either way. Um, you know, neither fighter had really had a chance to show anything in the UFC because they fought as super late replacements stepping up on short notice against overmet, uh, superior opponents and they both got finished in the first round. Um, I think Williams is the better striker here and that Wit does have the better ground game. It's just going to boil down to, um, who is able to utilize what they do best. Um, so. I think uh, the most likely outcome, I mean, there's two, basically. Witt could get the ground game going, um, or Williams could knock him out. And, I mean, Witt did get finished really quickly. So I'm a little concerned about his chin. I think Williams does hit pretty hard. So I'm going to side with Williams. I think that he could uh, get the, the stoppage quickly. But, I mean, if that doesn't work, Witt could end up grinding this out. Um, there's, there's a lot that we still need to learn about these two, just because it's been smized inside the octagon. And, uh, we'll, I think, uh, we'll learn a lot more, uh, on Saturday night, but my pick is going to be Williams. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Sean Strickland, who is 20 and three, taking on Jack Marshman, who is 23 and nine. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Strickland open minus 260, the comeback on Marshman at plus 220. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Strickland minus 365, Marshman plus 300. Not really surprised here. I mean, again, total skill set, I think upper tier as far as caliber of a fighter and weight class where your position would be. Strickland is definitely a level above Marshman in the middleweight division. I think Strickland has a lot of upside with his physical attributes, obviously, with his skill set. He's a very complete fighter. Marshman has some power on the feet. You have to respect his striking for sure. He's got a pretty sick guillotine choke. Always improving, but I think he's outclassed as far as pure skill set goes um, with Strickland here. So I think Strickland can have success on the feet against Marshman. Just has to be cautious because Marshman has that big power and is more than capable of doing some damage in that realm, but I think Strickland is the better fighter on the ground, and he's just, again, the the better strictly martial artist in this case. So with him being around minus 300-ish or so, I'm not really that surprised, and I think that's the only way you can go here in this spot is Strickland or pass. But as the line, again, creeps up to minus 400-ish, I think you have to be cautious, cautious away because you guys missed the boat at getting this price under 300 or so. So for me, again, I'm going to side with the better mixed martial artist. I understand why the people came in on Strickland early on. I think he's probably going to get this W and likely by finish before it hits the scorecards. But if not, I think he wins on the cards regardless either way. So Strickland should be here. Yeah, Marshman is always going to be dangerous because he's got some pop and he is a decent striker. Um, Sean Strickland, though, is... By far the more well-rounded fighter, the more dangerous fighter here. He's got much more to offer in terms of ground games, submissions, ground and pound. Um, and then on the feet, he's not half bad either. So uh, it's not like he's just going to get obliterated in the stand-up. Uh, the, the, the main thing I'm concerned about is that Strickland hasn't fought in about two and a half years. Um, and granted, you know, his last performance was pretty decent, but um, it's been a while since we've seen him inside the octagon. So... Um, depending on which Str Sean Strickland shows up, 
Um, or it's two years, not two and a half, but still, depending on which Sean Strickland shows up, if, uh, um, the one that, you know, got knocked out quickly by Eliza Zaleski, uh, the one that got ground out by, uh, Kamaro Usman, granted, you know, top 15 type guys that were able to beat him. And, uh, he is, you know, moving up a weight class, but, uh, if Sean Strickland shows up and performs well and handles, uh, the new weight class well, he should win. So I'm going to side with Strickland. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Adrian Yanez, who is 11 and 3, taking on Victor Rodriguez, who is 7 and 2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted thing there? Yanez opened minus 305. The is at plus 225. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is actually Yanez sitting at minus 445. The comeback on Rodriguez at plus 360. Really not surprised. I mean, Yanez has just been an absolute stud. He had an impressive win, obviously, a contender series. But before that, a lot of you guys have seen him fight on LFA. Um, the guy's faced decent competition. I mean, he has just that killer instinct, that great skill set. He's a finisher. He comes to to fight every time. You know what you could expect. He's well-conditioned. I mean, on the feet, he's so fun, to, but he also has a capable submission game and decent takedown defense along the way. So he's the type of fighter that has nothing but excitement written all over him. That's why I'm glad he got the opportunity in the Contender Series and he's making his way into the UFC now because he deserves to be here. This is going to be fireworks, though, because on the other side, Rodriguez, he's making his official UFC debut as well. And this guy's a very exciting fighter. I mean, he's got that wrestling background. He's got explosive hands that could just finish you with either side of him, really, left or right. I mean, he's got that kind of knockout power. He's got good ground and pound and, again, capable wrestling. So he's not going to be a walk in the park here. It's going to be fireworks on the feet because both these guys can't have their moments. It's just Yanez is the more seasoned fighter overall. I think he's faced better quality competition, and I think he's just further ahead at this point. That's why you're seeing the betting public early on just not hesitate to take, take Yanez. I think they've kind of just a bad stylistic matchup for Rodriguez. Yanez has faced better competition in the past, and I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed with anything Rodriguez could throw at him here. Although, again, you got to respect Rodriguez's power on the feet, and he does have that wrestling background. So I like what I see from him, and I think he's a welcome addition to the UFC, but just outclassed in this spot against Yanez. So my pick is Yanez. Yeah, Yanez is a super prospect. I mean, this guy is rock solid, really, really interesting fighter. Um, had an incredible, uh, view. And I think that, uh, he could look just as good this time around. I mean, this guy is ferocious, really well-rounded and talented. Um, and then, uh, looking at his opponent here, Victor Rodriguez, um, he's not bad. I mean, he is pretty well-rounded and talented. I just think Yanez outclasses him. Um, Rodriguez does have a little bit of, uh, wrestling and he could do some damage if he can get top position. But Yanez is pretty solid with his takedown defense, and he's faced some solid, excellent wrestlers in his career and held his own. So I think uh, Yanez should be able to fend off all the takedown attempts that Rodriguez throws at him and just dish out some punishment. And I think uh, Yanez doesn't just win, but probably wins by knockout against Rodriguez, who is stepping in on about two, two weeks' notice. So Adrian Yanez will be my pick. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Alexander Hernandez, who is 11-3, taking on Chris Mocker, who is 14-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 
Hernandez open minus 350 to come back on Gritzmacher at plus 285. And right now, over Circus Sports is Hernandez minus 450 to come back on Gritzmacher at plus 365. So no faith in Gritzmacher. Not really surprised. He's never been popular at the betting window. Never been really a, a big fan favorite amongst the diehard fans out there either MMA-wide. But Gritzmacher underrated. He's another one of these guys, in my opinion, that shows up to fight. I mean, he's very solid in all aspects of the game. He's a grinder. You know, he you have to kind of respect the power a little bit on, with his hands on the feet. I mean, he could definitely do some damage. The pace that he likes to push. And again, he shows up to win fights. I like Gritzmacher. I think he's a very underrated, talented fighter. But the problem here is he is outclassed as far as the skill set that Hernandez has and the ability and potential that Hernandez has. And I'm saying potential because he hasn't really lived up to it quite yet. He's had some ups and downs for sure, but Hernandez is the more fighter on the feet. I think he's the better wrestler here in this spot as well. I think he can be the better submission fighter too. We just haven't seen all aspects of his game kind of come together and play out for him in the right way, I think. So a lot to be determined yet for Hernandez. I think at the betting line where it currently is right now, you cannot trust him. I mean, we've seen too many inconsistencies in it. I do think he should win this fight. Again, he's going to be faster. I think he's going to do, be able to do more damage along the way. But that chin is a little bit suspect. We've seen the defensive flaws that he has in this game now. His conditioning is a little bit suspect as well. And he's, he kind of has a little bit. So I hate to say that, but he needs to get over that hump. And I think he needs to show some consistency for us to kind of believe in him, especially at a price like this at the betting window. We're talking about laying minus 450 on Hernandez here. Again, I think he gets it done. I just wouldn't lay that chalk against him. Just too many head-scratching reasons not to, I guess. So my pick is Hernandez. He's by far the more capable fighter. He should win this fight. But do not lay minus 450 in this spot, please. Yeah, I'm with Nick on not laying the minus 450, but Hernandez should still win. Um, Pick-wise, I mean, he has everything going for him here. Um Gritzmacher really is not much of a threat on the feet. He doesn't have much power. Um, he is decent with submissions and grappling, but uh, Hernandez is just as good of a wrestler, if not better. Hernandez is better. Hernandez is the better athlete. Hernandez has more power on the feet. Hernandez is the better striker. Um, really, the only things Gritzmacher has here is maybe he could push the higher pace, but we don't really know because Gritzmacher has fought in two and a half years after a torn ACL. Um, and maybe... Uh, Gritzmacher could wear him out a little bit if Hernandez can't put him away. Hernandez has slowed down a little bit in fights where he didn't uh, start strong. Um, you saw that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people got on Hernandez bandwagon after those first two UFC wins. Um, and now they're kind of coming off after, uh, you know, getting finished by Cerrone and Dober and the Trinaldo, uh really close fight there. So, I understand it, but Hernandez is still very good. And if he fights how he's capable of fighting, he should win convincingly. Just Grismacher does not offer enough. Like to beat Hernandez, you need to be able to fend off the wrestling. You need to be able to have a, a, a solid enough chin and you need to have excellent striking skills. And I just don't think that Grismacher has that makeup to do that. He doesn't have the qualities in his fighting arsenal. Uh, does not have the tools in the toolbox, as you say. So I'm going to go with Alexander Hernandez here. I think that he wins pretty convincingly and gets back on track, but he has let us down in the past. So Hernandez is my pick, though. Now, sticking with the lightweight division, we have Bobby Green, who is 27-10-1, taking on Tiago Moises, who is 13-4. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? 
Green opened minus 170, Moises plus 45. That line didn't last too long because right now we're seeing green minus 305, the comeback on Moises at plus 255. Look, a lot of people are probably surprised to see Moises as this big of an underdog, but at the same time, if you just look at the stylistic matchup here, I mean, Green tips has decent takedown defense, decent wrestling defense. So Moises on the ground, he definitely has the advantage, and that's where his path to victory here is in this fight. Despite Moises' striking getting better time and time again, I think you could see the improvements in his game. Although he obviously had some struggles in his last bout um, against Johnson before he was on the ground, um, but you could still tell that Moises is improving on the feet so he's no slouch he has a little bit of power on the feet as well and I expect him to continue to get better so this guy is becoming more than just a jiu-jitsu practitioner he is becoming a, a complete and dangerous mixed martial artist I think across the board for Moises so he has that finishing potential even against Green I think Green he, he's been in this game for so long that I, I don't think obviously he's in the peak of his career meaning that his chin is a little bit more suspect than it ever has been I don't think he has a bad chin so I'm not saying that but I'm saying their time is not on his side he has been performing really well during this pandemic I think he's won three fights in this last little run here that's been phenomenal he's looked great doing so so it, in my opinion he's never been on a better stretch in his career as far as confidence as far as physical physical i think being in shape and actually during this whole process like i said in this pandemic there's a lot of question marks to be had and he's proven that he's ready to fight and he's delivered in those performances so uh, green is definitely the right side in this matchup as far as how they match up um stylistically because he should be able to keep this fight upright he'd be able to outpoint moises and that's why you're seeing the betting actually come in his way as well now again it comes to a certain point though where the action gets a little bit too high and at minus 305 Right now, it's probably a dogger pass situation because Moises has that kind of fitability that you have to respect him. Even if he's losing the fight, as we've seen, he's capable of coming back with one mistake made by his opponent and winning the fight. So I would not recommend laying 300 on Bobby Green here. Obviously, again, a minus 170, that's a whole different price range, and that is a whole different bet level to be made. I would pronounce on that. But at minus 300, I think you've got to be approaching this with, with a little bit more cautious and un. Fortunately, just another spot where the betting value kind of got away from everybody if you didn't get on early on. So that being said, I am going to pick Bobby Green to win this fight. I'd be surprised if he does win this spot to Moises because I just don't think Moises does get the finish and get the win here. And I like Bobby Green, too. Uh, he's been on a nice roll after uh, some periods of inactivity. Um, it seems like he's kind of found his groove, and he's also been facing evidence. Um, Green is a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades fighter that is a, a – Above average striker, uh, a little bit above average with the, the, the wrestling and solid in all facets of MMA. And he's been facing fighters where that skill set pays off. Um, and he's facing another one where that could face pay off in Tiago Moises. I mean, Moises is a guy that has some excellent submission skills, but does not really have a great way to get the fight to the floor. And he has some striking, but he doesn't really push uh, with his striking. And that's not really a, his biggest strong suit. Um, so on the feet, Green's got the edge. Uh, on the ground, yes, Moises has the edge, but Green is a good wrestler. So uh, unless Moises can did against Michael Johnson, where he just kind of pulled guard, dropped to his back and went for a heel hook... Um, I think Green should be able to avoid it. And you look throughout Green's career, you know, losing because somebody outgrappled isn't really something that happens to him that often. Um, he has an above average ground game and that good enough wrestling to fend off the grappling attacks. So he usually loses because he gets outstruck, even though striking is a 
best asset. So I'm going to go with Bobby Green here. I think that Moises strolls get this to the floor and Green outpoints him on the feet. So Green is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Greg Hardy, who is six and two, taking on Maurice Green, who is nine and four. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Hardy minus 205, Green plus 175. That was the opening line. And right now, Hardy minus 350, the comeback on Green plus 290. So line got bet up again. Not really that surprised there, I mean, by this. I know Green is the better mixed martial artist overall. I mean, Hardy's still kind of playing catch-up in his career as far as overall mixed martial arts skill. And Green, although he has kind of that striking, um, I, I guess, um, resume and that striking background, and a lot of people view him more as a long striker type of fighter, he definitely has the better submission game on the ground as well. He's proven that time and time again. So he's not just a, a typical prototypical striker with, with a lot of range, which he has. Um, but I still think at this spot, man, I, I, Hardy has been showing a lot of skill, a lot of improvements in his game, a lot of patience. I like what I see. I mean, he's surprising me, to be honest with you. We all knew that he was a special athlete. I mean, at the level that he played at the end the NFL, we knew that coming in. So not a big shocker. But the way he absorbs everything, the way his coaching staff and the way he's putting his game together is very impressive for me. So I think Green's in a lot of trouble here. I think Hardy's going to be able to keep this fight upright and control and dictate the pace of this fight and bust Green up with his hands, honestly. I think Hardy has the better hands overall, even though Green might be the more diverse striker on the feet. Hardy's going to have to be about those kicks and those knees and the clinch work a little bit. But that being said, I think Hardy's the more durable fighter. I think he's the overall better condition fighter, too. I mean, that's kind of crazy at this point to, to be said, but I think he's showed us that. And I think Green, especially if it's going to be a fire, even though he did come back and get that crazy W over Volante in his last fight, I still think I, I trust Hardy. He's a little bit more steady, and he's just better at this point. So I think Hardy's right. Again, another spot where, I mean, if you're going to bet him at minus 200 in comparison to minus 350, you kind of miss the boat. So stay away from it. But my pick is going to win this fight. Yeah, this is a situation where I actually think Green is probably the more well-rounded of the two, but Hardy is the better athlete. Hardy's the more powerful striker. Hardy's the more dangerous striker. Um, Green is better on the ground, but can he get it there? Um, I mean, a lot of his submissions are from when his opponent takes him down and he pulls off like a that little goofy modified choke against John Vellante or earlier in the career, a lot of triangle chokes. So, you know, he's a guy that gets a lot of submissions from guard. I don't see Greg Hardy fooling around in Maurice Green's guard. I think Hardy wants to keep this up and try to knock his block off. And I think he's got a half-decent shot of pulling this off. Uh Green is kind of a middling, you know, UFC heavyweight, and that's something Hardy is competitive with right now. Like, Hardy's not competitive against, you know, the Volkovs of the world. But uh you throw him in there against somebody that's, you know, mid-level UFC fighter, I think he's going to look fine. And Hardy should be able to get the win here. So make him to uh, not just win, but perhaps knock out Maurice Green. So Hardy's going to be my pick. Now, moving uh, down to the middleweight division, we have Kevin Holland, who is 19 and 5, taking on Charlie Ontiveros, who is 11 and 6. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Holland opened minus 800, the comeback on Ontiveros at plus 550. And right now over at Circus Sports, we have Holland minus 725, the comeback on Ontiveros at plus 540. So another spot where line margins have tightened up a little bit. And there is kind of two action coming in, saying kind of because there's more obvious coming in Holland's way. And Ontiveros taking this fight on very short notice. I mean, a couple days here. 
he's up against it, man. Holland's right now on a roll. He's got that all-time confidence. I mean, stylistically, it should be kind of a striker versus striker type of matchup. Ontiveros, on the other end, is very dangerous and very capable. He's got that kind of karate striking style, has power with his hands and his feet, capable of finishing fights that way. So you got to respect that. But Holland, I think, is the more complete mixed martial artist overall. I think he's capable of winning this fight standing, despite Ontiveros being a, a good striker and offensively capable. At times, Holland should be okay on the feet. And obviously, Holland, in my opinion, has the better overall ground game as well. So he's got more paths to victory here. That's why you're seeing the extreme chalk here. But I think the line was appropriately set on the opening price. So there's nothing much to do here, honestly. I mean, it's also pass situation where the betting market is at this point, but not saying go out there and place a bet on the underdog here either, because I do think Holland avoids getting clipped on the feet against Santaveros. He's going to win this fight. So my pick is Holland to get the W here. And Holland does have his flaw. tremendously dangerous athletic fighter, but uh, when he does face like a good grinder, grinder, they can fluster him a little bit. But uh, I think in this fight, Antiveros, Antiveros is kind of uh, the type of opponent that sh- that he dreams of, uh, somebody that's wa- going to want to keep it standing and somebody that does not have a very good chin. I think Ontiveros has been knocked out about six times. Granted, he does have power. His last two wins that were both in less than two minutes by friend, uh, TKO stoppage. So uh, Holland can't be sleeping on this guy, but Holland should be the better, more dangerous, more capable fighter by a landslide. Ontiveros is stepping in on really short notice. Um, and I think uh, Holland has a real chance of not just winning, but winning decisively in the first round. Um, so I'm going to go with Holland. Um, Ontiveros has a puncher's chance, but not more, much more than that. I think Holland uh, wins by knockout in the first round. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the featherweight division, we have Bryce Mitchell, who is third. 13 and 0, taking on Andre Feely, who is 21 and 7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Pick a mine either way. Mitchell minus 110, Feely minus 110. That was the opening price. And right now, we're seeing Mitchell minus 135. The comeback on Feely plus 115. This did skyrocket up a little bit. Mitchell's way. Now we're starting to see more action coming back in Feely's way as well as expected, really. I mean, this is the big test here, right? For. A guy like Mitchell, this guy's been impressive, man. I mean, since the ultimate fighter stand, what can you say? I mean, you can see the improvements in his game. I mean, this guy's legit. His ground game is so fun to watch. We know that. His, you know, takedown abilities, wrestling is getting better, too. On the feet, he's not bad, but that's not where he wants to be in a case like this against a guy like Andre Feely. Feely is a phenomenal fighter, a stud on the feet, as we all know, but he does have very good wrestling and submission ability on the ground as well. So Feely is a big, big step up in competition for Mitchell here. But from what we've seen from Mitchell thus far, you cannot count him out in a spot like this. But that's why it is an intriguing spot for the underdog betters out there to like Feely. And I think he is at plus money, at least. He's definitely attempting out there for a lot of people, because if Mitchell is not capable of getting the takedowns, he probably does get beat up and picked apart on the feet against a guy like Feely. And again, Feely maybe gets top position along the way as well. And I think he's capable of kind of keeping out of trouble, at least if he's on top and caught up in an armbar or anything like that. So I think Feely... It's a very capable live dog in this spot, but the improvements in Mitchell's game and the leaps and bounds that he's taken fight by fight, again, I'm never going to underestimate this guy at all, but where the betting line is right now and until he kind of proves to me like he can get over the hump and beat fighters like Barnett decide with what you know and what I know is that Feely's better, at least at this point pre-fight, 
uh, going in in this spot. So I will pick Feely to pull off the small upset. Um, again, I think Mitchell's going to have to kind of prove it to me that he could beat a guy at this level uh, before I totally get on his game. I'm on my way, though, man. I mean, I love what I see from Mitchell for sure. And uh, just good to have him do and have success in the UFC, do what he's been doing, uh, because I think it's kind of obviously put a lot of excitement in the air and, you know, from the ultimate fighter and kind of in the featherweight division in general. So I like what I see Mitchell, but I, my pick is still going to be Feely in this spot. And I totally understand picking Feely. I mean, he is the more well-rounded fighter of the two. And if Mitchell cannot drive to the floor, I mean, Feely could make him look silly, absolutely silly on the feet. Um, you know, Feely is a very solid, well-rounded fighter with pretty good wrestling. So, um, Mitchell, I mean, he is one dimensional, but that one dimension is so good. So if he's able to get inside, get uh, his hands clasped together and drag this fight to the canvas like he did against a really good fighter in Charles Rosa, then he could do the exact same thing because this guy can just tie people in knots on the canvas. I mean, his grappling is elite. So uh, it just boils down to will he be able to keep doing that? Because at some point, I feel like when you have like a one-dimensional fighter like this, somebody is going to have the skills to to stop them. Uh, you know, they just cannot make it all the way to champion, typically. Like, somebody is good enough in every asset, uh, facet of the game to where they can exploit a weakness. And right now, Mitchell is not particularly good on the feet. Um, and if somebody can force him to stand, like, they could make him look bad. But is Feely the guy? I mean, he is a fringe top 15 guy. So, I mean, this is a big test for Mitchell. Um and I still think that Mitchell has the ability because on the ground, he is just that much better. So I'm going to go with Mitchell, but I totally understand where Nick's coming from. And if Feely can fend off some takedowns, um, he could look amazing. Like he could just run away with it potentially if Mitchell cannot drag him to the floor. But after seeing what Mitchell did to a solid savvy veteran with a good ground game, like Charles Rosa, the way that he just embarrassed him on the canvas, I have to side with Mitchell here, but I understand Nick's pick and he might be right. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have Uriah Hall, who is 15 and nine taking on Anderson Silva, who is 34 and 10. Now, Nick, where did this fight open? How the public shifted things so far? Hall open minus 180, the comeback on Silva plus 155. Right now we're over at Circus Sports. Hall minus 235, the comeback on Silva at plus 200. So more action coming in Hall's way. Not really surprised. I mean, it is what it is. It's a retirement fight for Anderson Silva. He's 45 years old. So Hall is about nine years younger. I mean, Anderson Silva's body just not able to withstand all the wear and tear throughout the years that he's performed. I mean, one of the best all time. A lot of people believe he is still the GOAT. Um, hard to argue it with his, I mean, resume, especially in the middleweight division, what he accomplished when that, during that title run. This guy is one of my favorite all-time fighters. So much respect. Again, he's just one of the most respected and, and best fighters, greatest fighters we've ever seen. I mean, one of the greatest strikers, one of the best mixed martial artists we've seen ever in the UFC. So hats off to Anderson Silva for what an amazing career he has had. But that being said, in 2020 right now, 
he's facing a very dangerous and capable opponent in Uriah Hall here in this spot. And Hall is the rightful favorite coming into this. I mean, a few years back, this would be laughable if you said Uriah Hall would be favored over Anderson Silva. But again, it's 2020. I think Uriah Hall has showed us some really solid performances the last few fights that he's had, including that loss to Costa in between. Um, you know, he was kind of respectable in that fight as well. Costa obviously ended up getting the knockout win but still what I've, i see overall from uriah hall he has no quit in him he comes he's showing up and he's coming to win man and obviously we all knew he was offensively gifted on the feet the guy has talent he's got power unorthodox but technical skill it's he's fun to watch and i like what i see like i said from hall i think he's actually matured to the point where he's catching up with all his skill and his physical attributes so he's in a good spot right now he's confident i think he probably does find a way to finish anderson silva along the way um in a five round fight. I don't think it makes it to the scorecards. I think we either see Anderson Silva getting a quick knockout win because obviously he's still more than capable. I mean, the guy's a phenomenal striker, even though he's lost a step overall, he still has that accuracy. He still has that experience and he still has that old man strength that he, I wouldn't be surprised if Anderson Silva does win this fight. So you got to give the guy respect. But that being said, at this point, it shouldn't really happen. I think we should lean a little bit more towards Hall to get the W here in this spot and probably finish Silva along the way. So my pick is Dry Hall. I would not lay the current price of minus 235, though, either. I know that's not what a lot of you guys want to hear. You're looking for some action on this, but you got to be smart. And I think that you're in a dangerous spot. Lean down to chalk over, even if he is kind of a declining and aging fighter like Anderson Silva, not the best move in this spot. So my pick is Uriah Hall. Hopefully we see a good, exciting fight um, and we see, you know, kind of maybe some vintage uh, along the way. But overall, it's hard not to pick Hall in this spot. I mean, part of me wants to pick Anderson Silva because of, you know, the nostalgia. And also because, I mean, if you look at who he lost to, it's not like he lost to bums. Uh, I mean, yes, he's not been the same guy, not even close. But uh before you know his incredible run at middleweight was ended um i mean he was the best fighter in the world he was um granted you know since then it's been nothing but injuries and suspensions and losses um but the losses you know look at who he lost to uh israel Adanya, daniel cormier michael bisping chris weidman jared cannonier every one of those guys has gone on to become or was a champion other than Cannoneer, and he just missed out on a title shot opportunity or an opportunity to earn a title shot. So, you know, he's been losing to some of the best of the best, uh, like all guys that were ranked either number one, or two or three in their division. Um, now he's facing somebody that's, you know, a little bit into the top 15 and Uriah Hall is beat him. He doesn't have the greatest chin. Uh, he is really powerful and dangerous and can pull off some crazy moves. And Anderson Silva is 45 years old. So absolutely, you know, this could be a very ugly fight where Silva just gets destroyed and it's sad. But Silva is still a capable fighter. I mean, when Daniel Cormier couldn't take him down at UFC 200 a little bit and stood with him, you know, Silva actually made that interesting. Um, that being said, um, we were much out of Silva overall ever since the Chris Weidman losses. Um, and it's only gotten worse with, you know, coming and now he's coming off of uh, a year and a half layoff after hurting his leg against Cannoneer, basically the fight endings. Um, so, you know, I just don't really know what to expect here with Silva. I mean, if this was 10 years ago, 
uh, the, that version of Anderson Silva, I would have picked Anderson Silva without even thinking twice. Uh, now I kind of have to side with Hall. I mean, Hall's fighting at a pretty high level right now. He's also been in there against some pretty solid guys, and he's coming off of some uh, decent wins against Bevan Lewis and Antonio Carlos Jr. Um, so he's got a little bit more momentum. And granted, you know, he hasn't faced the caliber of competition that Silva has. Nobody has. But uh, I, I'm going to go with Hall. I just think he has a lot more to offer at this point. Um, I mean, granted, he's 36, so he's starting to wind down a little bit too. That's still nine years younger than Silva. So uh, I'm going to go with Hall, although I'm rooting for Silva. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 12. Uh, if we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to a free bet mailing list. Also check out the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck everyone and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.